Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness that you pour out on us that we don't deserve. Thank you for the ability to come here and to learn from your word. Thank you for being a God that is active throughout history and in, in, in the past and the present and in the future. You have your plan. You are active in all that is going down, even at times when it seems like this world is out of control or there are pandemics or really bad things or natural disasters or things that happen that can cause us to really live in a state of fear and not in a state of trust that you're in control. Uh, You don't say we won't go through some difficult things, but you say you'll be with us and that we should not be people that fear, that have no hope, but we should have hope in that you are greater than than the world. So I pray that you would give us encouragement even as we look at the end times or even as we look at the present day and some things that have happened recently uh, in our world, uh, that you give us confidence that you're at work and we should trust you. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We trust God with our eternal security, but it seems like, and in the last two years, do we trust God with our present circumstances, whatever they are? And you and I have lived through the last two years, we have lived through something that no one, well, uh, it's been very, uh, it's a huge deal, the coronavirus, okay? Uh, And I want to preface this with every one of us knows someone that has probably lost a loved one. Because of the virus, this is not to be confrontational. I'm just trying to view the present day age we live in with Bible, okay? This is not to say Republicans or Democrats did this or right wrong or Trump or Biden or whoever. This is not, that's not the point of this. But we should look at what's happening in our present day or the last two years in light of God's scriptures that says this is some signs of some things that are going to happen. And if nothing else, if the coronavirus did nothing else, and yes, we lost some loved ones and it was difficult, and maybe there was some overreach on government issues and things like that. We're not going to take a church vote on that. It wasn't done perfectly, but we've, and it looks like we're on a, it's going back down until the news says there's a new variant out and we're all back up again on alert, but uh, it seems to be waning. But if nothing else, if it isn't a sign of Jesus Christ coming, if it isn't a sign of end times, hopefully people realize I'm not in control of a lot of things in my life. And I need a savior. I need the creator of the world to come and save me because this world that I thought I control, I don't control it at all. One virus that can spread that fast and kill that many millions of peoples, it's nothing new. Those things have happened. And God has used pandemics or diseases or pestilence. There's different words throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. He's going to continue to use these things. But this coronavirus is for sure, you say that word, and we all have, we all bring up all the feelings of the last two years, okay? Um, It is wonderful to know that we serve one who knows the future. We serve a God that is in control. Now, if you look on the back of your sheet, it looks very complicated. Uh, This is basically God's plan. Okay, according to scriptures, it's God's plan, whether you're a pre-trib, post-trib, non-trib, whatever. Uh, we can debate that all day. That's fine. This is from a pre-tribulation. All that means is the rapture, God's people, Christians on earth are going to be taken uh, to heaven before the tribulation. That's what pre-tribulation means. This is from that standpoint. Uh, so I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but let's go to, let's go to COVID before we get to that. Um, 
we should, as Christians, evaluate global events in terms of scriptural prophecy. We should not, as Christians, should not just say, oh, you know, by chance, by karma, by luck, oh, that country's obviously living in sin, they're having all this turmoil. Like, that's not a biblical stance at all. No, we should view it through world history. We should view it through scriptural prophecy. There is a biblical agenda that is, that is all leading up to the return of Christ. The second return of Christ is going to happen. Uh, on January 11, 2020, the first COVID-19 death was reported in Wuhan, China. Two months later, March 11th, about spring break here, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic because the virus at that point in two months had already spread to 114 different countries, U.S. being one of those. It had already nearly cured 120,000 people, and, uh, and it was spreading. At that point, uh, by March 12th, Ohio became the first state to shut down all K-12 through schools. Colleges, universities started canceling in-person classes, began teaching courses online. This is nothing new. You all know this. You, we live this. United States stocks t- tumbled. The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, fell about 10%. The biggest change it's ever done uh, since 1987. Airplanes are grounded. Uh, Broadway theaters are closed. Movie theaters are closed. Hospitals are filled. Churches are closed. Times Square is a ghost town. Have y'all ever been to Times Square? I went to Times Square, you know, maybe five, six years ago, and I rubbed shoulders with a lot of people. Uh, and I had my wallet in my front pocket because I have a lot of pickpocketers out there. But uh, to see images, and I'll never forget the image of it's just, you know, the camera just showed there's nobody on the streets in New York City. That happened, and it happened very fast. For sports enthusiasts, the NBA, they canceled their league, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League. For the first time since its inception, March Madness did not happen. Remember that? I cried. It was a sad, sad moment. First time since September 11th, and only the fourth time ever, Disneyland closed its gates. Things were happening. This pandemic was spreading through the world. Airports and travel is is shut down. America was shut down. And that all happened within like two months. Something that you never thought would happen, happened. Uh, We'll do a little bit of a, this is just statistics, okay? It's just, if I can find the right sheet. Uh, What'd I do with it? I'll get there. Well, maybe we won't do statistics. Well, shoot. Okay. <laughs> I didn't bring the sheet that I had it all written down on. Okay. Spanish flu 1918. None of us were living then. I don't think so. Uh, 50, uh, 50% of the population died. So the population, maybe 50 million, and about 25 million died. 50%. COVID, 2020. 
I, I wish I would have brought the sheep that had this all in sense, but it, I don't have any sense. In America, well, in the world population, right now there's roughly 7.9 billion people. cases was 485 million and uh, in America the cases is about 80 million that's not right yeah it is and in America there are about 978,000 deaths supposedly linked to COVID remember watching the numbers where you, you see the numbers and you don't see it anymore um, it's very depressing I was going to do this to make the case. 50% 50 of the population died with this pandemic in 1918. I did the math today, and this is, in America, this is 0.01%. 0.01% deaths in America from COVID. Now, you say the number, and like, that's a lot of people. But for the amount of coverage and the amount of shutdown that we did, and the, there's, the time will tell, history will tell how much hurt comes from shutting our economy down, which is why I believe there's still inflation happening and the, you, you, you stop our economy for a couple of months or a year or two years for some places. I wish I brought my numbers. I don't want, this is neither here nor there. My point is pandemics, pandemics that are all over the world, that disease is spreading rampant throughout the entire world is nothing new. And it's going to continue to happen and probably accelerate in its frequency as we approach Christ coming again, the end times. Where did we get the word pandemic? It, it, it didn't even show up until, in dictionaries until 1853. The Latin prefix pan means all. The demic comes from the word uh, demotic, uh, which we get our word democracy for the people of the people, which is belonging to the people. So a pandemic is something that involves the whole uh, uh, involves the whole population of the earth, which is what COVID was. Everyone was going to be uh, could be exposed to this virus that was started. Uh, again, I say this pandemic or God using disease, and I'm not, I'm not don't back me into a corner. Did God send the COVID virus, coronavirus, or the whatever? Well. God is in control of all things, yes. Um, but does this mean we're right up to the end times? Like, not necessarily. I mean, God only knows. I think it is a sign that we're accelerating. We're definitely closer. Um, but God has used diseases throughout history. Uh, King David sinned against Israel, and the Lord in 2 Samuel, he said that he sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. Uh, you go back to uh, the Israel trying to escape the Egyptians, and Pharaoh's not going to let them go, right? Well, there's all sorts of disease that happens on that. God uses these things to point people to their need of, of the creator, of a savior. In the Gospels, Jesus warned his disciples that pestilences will be one of the signs of the last days. These ravaging illnesses will shake the world, it will awaken people, and... Uh, hopefully to the imminence of Christ's return. Uh, hopefully that yeah, I need something more than just me and my little life and what I can do and make sure I have a white picket fence and a two-story house and obedient children. That's what my life's about. I have all the toys. Uh, 
Uh, my life is about myself. Well, hopefully, through the pandemic, we've learned there should, a lot, should be a lot more to life than that, and that we need God. Uh, in Revelation, the Lord warned a dozen times about terrible pestilences and plagues coming to the nations, and this is all going to be part of his judgment on the world, uh, the Great Tribulation. If you want to look at your back of your sheet now, um, I think Brother Barry started this first. A couple of us have copied it. He got it from someone else, and then we copied it too. But uh, if you, are you not sure where we're at? We're in the, you see the church age? Plus or minus. We're right about there, somewhere in that plus or minus. Uh, I don't believe the church has been raptured. If it has, we're in trouble. Uh, but then after uh, the church is raptured, and there's no signs for the rapture of the church. It just happens. You remember the books left behind and that fictional, but you kind of, uh, I mean, what would it really be like? Well, now, you know, pilots of planes that are flying that are Christian, now there's no longer a pilot there, and there's going to be there's immediate turmoil that's going to happen when God calls his church home. But after the rapture of the church, then there's the seven years, the great tribulation. All of this is in Revelation. I'm not covering it all. Uh, but we're still right before the rapture of the church. The end times, all that Jesus talks about the end times is all signs of what's going to happen before the second advent. Before Christ comes again on the horse and he's, you know, Jerusalem and, you know, all the nations are forming against uh, uh, Israel. And it, it looks like it's the end. Christ's going to come out, fire through his mouth and, and with the, his army of angels behind him and, his, and all this stuff. And, it's, and that's it. When that happens, then there's this thousand years that Christ reigns on his throne for a thousand years. And then after that, a new earth and a new heaven. The end of this earth as we know it. And he creates a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. Basic uh, uh, revelation laid out there in a summary, I think is a great word picture to, rem- to, remember, to rem- remind us. But you're talking in times and any time it talks about, uh, Christ is going to mention here, there's some signs that are going to happen before Christ returns again. And he mentions them. And we're going to look at that passage in a little bit. But this COVID-19 pandemic, it feels like it was something that we read in the Bible. It was something huge. We've lived through it. It's, it for sure, it's the most apocalyptic event that's probably happened in most of our lifetimes. Um, does COVID-19 mean anything when set against a larger scale of history? Well, we'll see. During the last week of Christ's life, uh, he left the temple in Jerusalem. He takes his disciples he hikes down to the, the Kidron Valley and he climbs up the top of this Mount of Olives. Uh, there, the, the disciples, they ask him about the last days, the end times, uh, prompting our Lord's most comprehensive, comprehensive teaching on the subject to date. It's called the Olivet Discourse. Uh, we're going to read some of it. We don't have time to read it all, but open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Matthew 24, verse 1. He's going to warn here of six signs that are going to happen before Jesus Christ comes a second time. These are the signs. Matthew 24, verse 1 through 14. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? That surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? 
Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, there's the word, pandemics, diseases, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be uh, offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. He warns here of six signs that will happen before he comes again. The first is deception by false Christ in verses 4 and 5. Next, disputes of warfare among nations. 6 and 7, verse 6 and 7. The key one for tonight, disease and famine will happen worldwide, verses 7 and 8. For sure, disease, coronavirus fits into that category, okay? Deliverance of believers to tribulation, verse 9, defection of false believers, verses 10 through 13, and a declaration of the gospel to the whole world will happen in verse 14. These six signs uh, cover the first three and one half years of the tribulation. So if you look on your back of your chart, the first three and a half years of that seven years leading up to when the abomination of desolation happens by the Antichrist these signs are going to happen then. But just because these signs happen then, there could be some precursor signs that happen that are building up to them. It's not like these things just happen out of the blue. Never saw it coming. Yeah, well, we've had some diseases that have come up in the last couple of decades, uh, coronavirus being the big one, and I think we will have more uh, as we go forward. Um, these six signs, they will build up over time. Perhaps we're seeing early evidence of these signs. I think we are. At any moment, the rapture could happen, and after the rapture of the church, there will be seven years of global tribulation. Um, these years are described in Revelation 6 through 18. The last half of those, those seven years, the last three and a half years, are known as the Great Tribulation, and God's wrath will be poured out in a unique way, uh, and, uh, and then it will lead up all the way to Armageddon. When that period is over and concludes, Jesus will return to his church and put an end to global conflict and pandemics, and he'll judge evil. He'll establish his thousand-year kingdom, according to Revelation 19. Um, If you want to, I'm not going to read it tonight, but Revelation 19 is Christ's return. He comes in on the horse, comes in a-blazing, and uh, he puts an end to, to those that are against God and his ways and his nation of Israel. So no events that lead up to the rapture, but there are signs that point to Christ's return. Uh, This coronavirus is one of those. Because future events, they cast their shadows before them. I think we have a shadow of things to come. Uh, We got a glimpse of what this disease is going to be like. Um, So I think it is a sign, but does that mean, I mean, every day we, we live... We're a day closer to Christ coming. That goes without saying. But uh, I think we're going through some birth pains. Um, those that have had labor and felt that, it starts kind of little and then it really intensifies. <laughs> I haven't been through that, but I had my arms closed really hard 
and it got intense. Oh, yeah, uh, twice. So thank goodness for, yeah, medicine and all those things. Uh, so it may not be a coronavirus, may not be a prophetic sign, but it is a sign. And like I said, I hope it's a sign to waken, uh, waken up the church and, waken, and awaken the people that have no relation with God at all. The things that happen in the world, even natural disasters and just, man, the, the most difficult circumstances that can happen in life, God can use those tribulations, he can use those difficulties, he can use those trials to hopefully say, yes, you need to turn back to me. That doesn't mean every catastrophic event that happens in this world is God judging people. And No, no. but this world does groan because it's not the way that God created it. ever since Genesis 3, uh, creation it hasn't been the same. One day it will be made totally like the Garden of Eden, but we're not there yet. That's when Christ returns. So some things with the, and I'm going to say coronavirus a lot because we've lived through that, okay? There's been other uh, diseases. I don't know. I mean, yes, the Spanish flu was a big one. And if you, fa- if you fast forward to the end of time, there's going to be a time when God's going to wipe out, you know, like a third of the population of the earth. Or like, you know, uh, a quarter of the Jews or whatever. Some big judgments going down. That's not a point zero zero whatever, point zero one percent or whatever. This is some big judgment of God. Some things, I think some truths in the times we, we live at, even coronavirus and pandemics. The first thing is we're all vulnerable. Uh, even, and you know, pre-September 11, 2001, you know, we had we were surrounded by water. Nobody could touch America, right? Didn't we kind of live in our own little bubble? The evil that's happening over in the Middle East and in Russia and wherever else, it's not going to come here. Our eyes, hopefully, were open since September eleventh, uh, and now we know how interconnected we are. How much everyone you can travel anywhere in the world in twenty four hours with an airplane. I wouldn't walk it, but with an airplane, you can get there depending on the connections. You will have to go to Houston first or go to Dallas, but you'll get there eventually. Uh, but uh, we're interconnected, but we're also very vulnerable. When COVID started, you know, the elderly and they were, and if you had an underlying health condition, this isn't about um, masks or not wearing masks or vaccines or not getting vaccines. I think we're out to the fourth, uh, get the fourth jab, whatever. Okay, okay. Politicians use the things in the world for their advantages. There's nothing surprising there. And at some point, you're like, I think we're just financing the vaccine medicines. We need to give them more money. Uh, I don't know. Neither here nor there. But the story changed. Even in the last two years, it, it changed. And if, if, if the elderly are the most threatened and we need to protect them, then why are we shutting down schools? They're the least threatened. Well, they're spreaders. Or, you know, it's like, okay. God trusts our leaders and all of this, but they're, they're trying to navigate through this mess, okay? And they don't want to be liable for however, and their projections, whoever, Dr. Fauci, that's probably a bad name for most of us to say at this point. But remember when he was basically the scriptures. Whatever he said, we did it. We didn't even think about it, right? Um, if nothing else in the last two years, I hope that we, we say, okay, God, this is happening in our world. How do I fit that in with what you're doing? What, what are you, this is happening. What do you want to teach me or teach my family as we go through this? What should we learn from this? Um, well, the first thing is we're all vulnerable. 
Um, there's really no way, even with the mask, you can protect yourself wholly, you know. At first, you shut yourself at home, and then you're like, oh, but if your family went out, then you're actually more susceptible to getting it if you're staying at home and not getting outside. I'm like, I don't know. I'm hitting a moving target. Um, we're all vulnerable. We can all get it. Um, and uh, I don't mean to minimize coronavirus. Again, uh, I've had it. My wife's had it. Maybe my kid had it. I'm not sure. They bounced back real quick. Both my parents have had it twice now, I think. Um, and anyone you love that gets it, you're like, uh, you know, it's just an eye-opening event. It's like, my parents or my grandparents could get this? Yes. Our time on earth is short. God knows the number of our days. But we're all vulnerable to any disease that is going around. Also, we should see the credibility of the Bible. This is nothing new. Pandemics, mass disease spreading throughout. Uh, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, he predicted of a coming war in which Russia and its coalition of armies, they're going to try to uh, they're gonna try to destroy the Israel, of course, in the early days of this tribulation. So the first three and a half years of that tribulation when uh, the rapture's already occurred, but it's getting really bad on the earth. Russia and its nations, which is that China, hmm? Maybe. (laughs) Looks like they're pairing up these days. They like each other. Uh, Russia's all over the news. You know, nothing else happening in America, but Russia and Ukraine is like everything. Uh, Again, not to be political. The news is kind of who I get agitated with um, because they always have their angles. Um, But these nations are pairing up even now. Uh, Last week I talked about globalism that's happening, and it's going to continue. The, the, The threat of that's going to happen. Uh, but these armies are going to come against the nation of Israel. Russia is going to lead it. And uh, according to scriptures in Ezekiel 38, there's going to be military confusion, uh, multiple calamities. There's going to be plagues that are going to come. The Lord predicts, and he says in Ezekiel 38, 22, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. God even uses pestilence or diseases or pandemics to, to do what he wants. It will take seven months to bury the people that will will die in that battle, according to Ezekiel 39. Uh, and in that, uh, all these, you know, all those dead bodies are there. There's going to be malignant plague and all these things that are happening. And it says in Scripture that the flocks of birds are going to come from the Middle East and they're going to devour the bodies scattered all across the land. Yikes. Um, the end time stuff, God, God doesn't really hold back. Uh, he's going to protect his and his nation of Israel. In Revelation 9.18, it says that a third of the earth will perish by various plagues caused by demonic forces. Um, in Revelation 11, it talks about the supernatural, the two witnesses that will come. And it says they will strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. God is going to use plagues, pestilences, diseases for his purposes. And that warning really isn't limited to just pandemics. It could be any other infectious diseases he chooses. All these things that will happen, that have happened throughout history, is to point that the Bible is indeed credible. Coronavirus is not the first pandemic or massive disease that has spread, and it won't be the last. Also, we see the uncertainty of life. Uh, Contagions remind us that our life is uncertain. No one is expected to stay away from work, school, and church for a whole year. Well, no one expected to do that, but we, we 
Some of y'all may have stayed longer than that, or maybe you lost your job during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people did. A lot of people were laid off. Uh, the Apostle James, he says, you shouldn't be surprised by the unexpected in your life, but how many of us were surprised? James 4.14, you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. How uncertain and precious are our days. I think the pandemic coronavirus hopefully was a time for us to evaluate in our own lives what's really important. If you would have told me I could have lived a year without sports, I would have said, you're crazy. But sure enough, I did. I found something else to do with my time. I read a lot more. There was some boredom. But man, I had a lot more time of things that I wanted to do. Job said, uh, Job said this in Job 9. Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping in and prey. Then he goes on and adds, Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. The virus also points us to Jesus' sufficiency. Jesus is sufficient for us. He said this, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice the phrase, in me, in Christ. Paul's going to say later on in all many of his letters, in Christ, in Christ. You need to be in Christ. The Lord's promise here unto his disciples was the promise of himself. His peace was found in and only in him. He did not say, I have come uh, in the world, you have tribulation, but I have overcome tribulation. He didn't say that, did he? Unless I read it wrong. No, he said, I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. He didn't just overcome the event. He's overcome the environment in which that event even occurs. So Jesus is sufficient. He comes in amidst our struggle. And even when the battle seems unbearable or circumstances look impossible, Jesus is always faithful. He speaks to us of peace and bestows the encouragement that we need in our times of need. John 14, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When coronavirus started, what at all, in the first few months, everything was just fear. Fear. There's not going to be any toilet paper. And that was some fear. That's when it gets real, right? And, uh, you know, and you just stay at home and you just watch the news and then it just kind of cycles and it just, and the, the angst and the uneasiness and the worry and the anxiety and all the things. While I have nothing else to do, I'm just going to watch, feed my mind on this 24-7 that the, everything is just, the, the sky is falling. The world is over as we know it is what was reported. Not all true. Not all, not all true. Much of it not true at all. So where do we go from here? Um, so if coronavirus is a sign or at least a pain, the beginning of, pain, uh, of pains of these end times, uh, what should we do in light of that? As Christians, as believers of, of God and followers of God, and, and uh, what should I do now? 
Because best I can tell, the rapture hasn't happened, Christ hasn't returned yet, but some of these signs, according to what I've already said, they're kind of, kind of get worse before it gets really better. I believe that the church will go home before the tribulation, the worst of the worst. That's what I believe. If you differ, that's fine. I think we'll both be in heaven. That's fine. As long as you believe on the salvation of Jesus and him alone, have faith in him. But uh, the first thing I think is prioritize our prayer life. Prioritize your prayer life. Uh, God's people, uh, the nation of Israel, or even in 2 Chronicles 20. Go find that book, 2 Chronicles 20, Old Testament. I'll give you a few minutes. If you've got to use a table of contents, that's fine. No judgment here. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, there's this existential crisis happening. The nation of Judah, Jerusalem, King Jehoshaphat, uh, He's over the temple. He's leading the people. But the people of Moab and Ammon are coming, and they're coming to destroy them. Armies are coming. Thousands and thousands are coming to destroy uh, Judah. And you're going to see the, the king here. He's going to give this prayer to God that is a great example in times of turmoil and difficulty how, how we should respond. Um, I'm not going to read it all for time's sake, but jump down to chapter 20, verse 8. In his prayer, his prayer is from 5 until uh, 12. It's all his prayer to God. He says in verse 8, And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save us. Um, then jump down to verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude multitude that is coming against us nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you um, the rest of the story uh, if you just jump through it, i'm not going to read the whole chapter but verse 15 uh god said or uh, uh, jehoshaphat says for the battle is not yours but god's uh, verse 17 see the salvation of the lord who is with you god is going to win this battle for you verse 21 they start singing and praising god Verse 22, they begin to sing and praise more. The Lord set ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and all those that came against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against uh, the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill. So just chaos is happening, and God, sure enough, destroys this mass army that's coming, threatening God's people. All because King Jehoshaphat knew that God was in control, and he prayed to God. He knew he didn't have anything to stop what was coming. But he knew God could control it. Our prayer life, our first response when things are going out of control in our lives and in our world, it should be on our knees in prayer. It shouldn't be turning to Fox News. It shouldn't be turning to CNN. It shouldn't be turning to our social media accounts. It shouldn't be turning to my wife. It should be turning to God. Because what do those entities have that are actually going to control what's happening? Or Fauci or anyone else, CDC, whatever. Can they really control God orchestrates these, these authorities, the institutions to, to keep control, but um, are to maintain a, a unity, okay? Police are, are there by God to, to, to deter crime, yes. But, uh, but oftentimes, even as Americans, we turn to our politicians or our whatever to solve things that they can't solve. Only God can so we should be praying, but also sacrificially serve others. Uh, hopefully, during the pandemic, you found some ways to serve 
friends and family, you did a little neighborhood cookout or you had some ways to meet some needs of those around us. Um, moments of danger present opportunities for service, but just because we're almost near the end of that, there's still moments to serve those around us. I can't help but say Christmas in Action would be a great place, great rate for you to serve the community. I met, I can't think of her name right now, but she's a great, sweet lady, and I, I can see her that weekend of, and I love each year. I try to encourage not everyone to talk to the homeowner because it can be overwhelming if 80 people are talking to her. But I've done this about five or six years. I've had up CAA and our church doing it. Those people's lives are changed because they see the church of God coming to help them. And they don't deserve it at all. Any of us do. What does? It just is. It is. It's just an act of love that they get. And we don't oftentimes. We take it for granted. We don't. And even I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm not very gifted at doing those things. But God gave me other talents, and, and I, say, I say, Daniel Burgess, I'm good at managing people. I'll get the people there. Just don't give me a power tool, okay? It's dangerous for me. It's not the best thing. Uh, God gives us and, and use our gifts, but sacrificially serve, serve people in the community. Uh, Jesus himself said, As surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Whatever you do to the least of these, it's as if you did it to Jesus Christ. Count your blessings. We should count the blessings of God. It says in John 1, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We have so much to be thankful for paul says be grateful in all things and you know he's in chains you know in a prison somewhere and he's being grateful and thankful does that describe your life are you a grateful thankful person do you understand the blessings of christ in your life in the last two years are you closer to any family now than you were before less distractions or have we just gone back to life as it was it didn't take long for September 11th for us to go back, pretty much just right back to normal living. Now we have a little more security at the airports. It won't take long for us to go right back to the normal after a pandemic either if we're not careful. Hopefully we see what really matters in our lives uh, and that God is blessing us. Stay calm and carry on. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind how many of y'all listen to podcasts any of y'all listen to podcasts any of y'all know what a podcast is i'm speaking a foreign language thank you dan she, okay. it's free you can listen to whoever you want and it's audio recordings of whatever okay i'm listening to a podcast a day or two ago and everyone's talking really fast they kind of sound like they're chipmunks i won't say what podcast it was but i'm like i'm gonna I'm going to call the station and say, why are y'all talking so fast? The music's faster. Everything's just fast. And it was stressing me out a little bit. Like, calm down. Well, I'm an idiot. Sure enough, on the uh, podcast, the app that I'm using, there's a little in the left corner. There's a one and one quarter speed. And I had that press. And then I wanted to go to one and one half speed and then two, two times the speed. I'm like, now that's chipmunk. Uh, 
I got back to one, I'm like, okay. I say that all to say, most of Americans were going one and one quarter speed pre-coronavirus. And maybe God gave us a chance to do a little evaluation, a reset, if you will, and say, am I making the main things the main things in my life? Or my family's not important, church is not important, all these other things. My work, of course, is important because I have to make money. He gave us a chance to do a reset, and I think, I hope we should stay calm even in, and I would, I would suggest to you, don't watch too much news. They love to stir the pot. That is their job. And they're very good at it. But be careful what you're feeding your mind. He says that in Second Timothy, and also in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be careful what you're feeding your mind. What is most important? Okay, this is happening in the world. Where does that fit? In God's plan. What do I need to do in light of that? How can I be more faithful to follow him? To have a centered, grounded mind is, in, is important. To read scriptures daily is, is the key. To uh, have a daily walk with God. Where I can just sit, be quiet, and know that he is God. Sit still. You know, we take men to Iron Man. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's really, it's, really fast you get you drive three hours and then you have a Friday night session then you spend the night in a bunk and you don't really sleep at all and then you get up at seven and some guys get up at five god bless their souls god loves them but god bless their souls uh one day i'll be there where i get up at five but i'm not there yet just because i stayed up till two or three okay i'm getting off track here but uh Guys go because they enjoy just being with other godly men and hearing God's word for three different sessions. We don't normally do that. You go anywhere in his nature. You go with the Bible, just you and God. Guess what? He could really encounter God. You don't have to do the walk to Emmaus. You don't have to go to a youth camp to experience God. Sometimes you just got to sit still and be quiet. Be still to experience God. Stay calm. Carry on. Read the scriptures. Walk with him daily. And then as I close, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. We have to keep busy with whatever God assigns us to do each day. I don't know what you did when at some point, I guess all of us or most of some businesses said you're not coming in because of coronavirus. Other businesses led it, left it up to the employee if they wanted to come in. There's all sorts of that happening, okay? Some people had personal choice whether they're going to work at home or whether they're going to go in. Okay. For us, I made a personal choice. Our pastor never said, I'm closing the doors. We have to, but I made a personal choice, and I don't know. I'm just praying, trying to live this out, do what's right for my family. It was a, it was really ambiguous situation. So I had a lot of days at home, but I'm still contacting people. I'm still doing my job from home remotely. But when you start in, and I don't know when that happened for you, you're like, man, this is vacation, man. This is great, you know. And that was fun for like three days. And then the kids are there, and now they're doing homeschool. You know, my, thank God mine weren't in elementary. They can do their own whatever. Uh, the kids had spring break. for That was fun for maybe two, three weeks for the kids. And then they're like, I'm bored to death. But uh if you go through your day and you think back to what you did, 
If you didn't have a plan for that day, you would just be bored to death, and it would be dreadful. Everyone needs a routine, and that routine was taken away. And for me, what I did, besides working and contacting people and checking on class and stuff like that, I had a dissertation to write. And so I made goals that I was going to write so much in a, this week or that week, and I got a dissertation taken care of during the coronavirus. Uh, and I probably would not have stopped and focused on that and got it done if it wasn't for that. Again, I stress I did work too. Okay, guys. Okay. You need a routine. What does God have for you to do today? We all want to talk year-round plan, or I got a plan for the year, I got a plan for this next decade. It's oftentimes in walking with God is simply what is, which, what is the right thing to do in this situation at this moment in time? J.R. Miller, he wrote this, we try to settle our duty in large sections. We think of years rather than moments, of life work rather than individual acts. It is hard to plan a year's duty. It's easy to plan just one short day. Doing the next right thing is great advice according to God and his word. Jesus actually teaches us to think that way. If you look back in scripture or some of his encounters, his healings, he did these miracles. And right after this, I'll give you three examples. All right, after these miracles, what did he say to do? Go save the whole world and, and be a Billy Graham? No, he kept it simple. To the leper, he said to, uh, he heals the leper and he said to the leper, but go and show yourself to the priest in Luke 5. To the paralytic, he heals. He says, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. <laughs> okay, I can do that. To Jairus and his wife, after he raises their daughter from the dead, for sure he has a captive audience at that moment. Uh, he had their full attention, and, he, and uh, all he told them was to give her something to eat. That was it. Just give her something to eat. Rather than a life plan, a clear vision, a five-year list of goals, the leper, the paralytic, Jairus and his wife were given clear instructions by Jesus what to do next, and only what was next. I think we should take our cues from Jesus and consider what is the next right thing for me to do today, right now. Because I don't know. Why would I think 10 years down the road or the whatever, okay, plan retirement, all that, I get it, yes. But God presents opportunities that we can obey him, that we can follow him and love other people like he loves us. He gives opportunity all the time and we just miss it. We're too busy thinking and planning. Like, just do the simple things that God wants you to do in the moment you have them. Uh, Emily Freeman is an author. She's a contemporary author. She wrote The Next Right Thing. Uh, and uh, she was a college student uh, recently, and she had some dead time, or I guess in between driving to different classes, she had some dead time to kill. And uh, she would listen to this radio program every day by Elizabeth Elliot. Do y'all know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Have y'all heard that name? Uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, missionaries. Uh, Jim, they got married and they, he wanted to reach an unreached people group uh, in Ecuador. He wound up going to Ecuador. Jim did and they were married and he got killed by the people he was going to, to save. Uh, and that left Elizabeth and her 10-year-old uh, alone, a widow and uh, a fatherless child, which was a very, <laughs> that's a tough thing to go through. Since that moment, she had remarried several times she wrote, since that darkest of days, she wrote 24 books. Uh, she did about 13 years of a radio show called uh, God's Way of Joy. And 
this author was listening to her radio show where she read this uh, read this poem, and it and it was called "Do Ye Next Thing." It's by Minnie Paul, but Elizabeth Elliot uh, kind of made it more in our English and stuff. But uh, all of this "Do the, Do Do the Next Thing" is kind of this idea uh, that she got from this poem, and. Uh, well, you know, I would read it to you, but my notes are all out of whack. Oh, there's those notes I wanted to have. Nope. Nope, not yet. I don't have the poem. That would have been great if I had it, wouldn't it? Man, you just build it up. You build it up, and then you just... I got, I got half of it. You know, God, here it is. I have it. Thank you very much. God keep us humble. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me humble. This is by Elizabeth Elliot. The poem, Fear not tomorrow, child of the king. Trust them with Jesus. Do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all results. Do the next thing. It even rhymed. It was a great poem. Um, pandemics, disease, it's a sign of, of Christ coming. He is going to come back. Um, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? If not, come talk to me because don't take any day for granted. Uh, God could call any of one of us home right now. If he desire, or he could come back. Either of those things could happen. And I want to be ready, don't you? But for Christians, um, don't go through this life and watch the world. Look at through the lens of Scripture. Okay? Don't be cut off surprised. Be ready. Be faithful to serve God with your whole heart, where you're at, when you're at, whom you're with. And... Uh, and as a Christian, we have some great things to look forward to. But uh, it could get worse before it gets better. Let me close with prayer. Holy Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, his example. And even as he spoke of the end times of him coming again, he did not give us all the details, but you gave us some signs. And I, I do believe we're experiencing some of those signs or, or pains, of birth pains of some of those things that are to come. And even as we're on this side of the coronavirus, and I pray that it would be, uh, it can, we can say we lived through it, and for those that lost their life during it, um, I pray that they knew you. Um, but may it be a, an eye-opening event to know that you're a God that's at work. We're not in control of our own lives. We actually need you. And uh, may we not take each day we have for granted, but may we be uh, courageous for you and bold as we live in a world that is turning more and more against you and your ways, and in a country for sure. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in and through him, and that one day he will return. Until then, may we be found faithful uh, to spread your gospel and to live for you with our whole hearts. Forgive us for your failure. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.